Welcome to Cardio Radio, a podcast of the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative, also known as Cardio. This is Dr. Michael Constant from the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, and I serve as the principal investigator for Cardio, a statewide network of Ohio's seven medical schools. Cardio is funded by the Ohio Department of Medicaid and shares best practices to improve cardiovascular health, diabetes outcomes, and to eliminate health disparities in Ohio's Medicaid population. The opinions and recommendations in this podcast are those of the presenters and not those of Cardio and its sponsors, and are not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome everyone. I am Adam Przinski, Associate Professor of Medicine and Sociology at Case Western Reserve University. I am a member of Cardio's Team Best Practices, and I'm here today with my colleagues Autumn Glover and Amy Schoen to talk about the digital divide in health and specifically cardiovascular health. Dr. Amy Schoen is an adjunct associate professor in the School of Medicine at Case Western Reserve University. She's also a digital health equity consultant and president of Public Health Innovators, the organization that helps the nation's leading health systems, policymakers, public officials, philanthropic and medical professionals, organizations, and the tech industry develop strategies to ensure equitable, meaningful, and impactful adoption of digital health technologies. Autumn Glover is the Senior Director of Community Health Partnerships at Ohio Health. Autumn is passionate about solving problems at the intersection of race, place, and health. Recently, she partnered to create the Franklin County Digital Equity Coalition, which works to ensure that every resident in central Ohio has affordable and effective broadband access, devices that they own, and digital skills to navigate the internet for work, education, telehealth, and social benefit. Today, we're here to talk about the importance of digital inclusion and equity for diabetes outcomes, discuss alternate approaches to digital inclusion partnerships between primary care and community-based organizations, and really just share an overview of ongoing actions and programs that are working to address the digital divide in diabetes care. So I'm also very excited to talk about this today as it's a a topic of my own research. conducting projects here in Cleveland to help neighborhoods and communities get better connected and improve their health. So many thanks uh, to both of you, Amy and Autumn, for being here, and we'll be excited to, to hear your thoughts today. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having us. So to begin, you know, there are a number of digital technologies that many folks think are helpful for persons with diabetes. I'm sure both of you can think of many examples. I'll give just a few telehealth video visits, using that patient portal to receive your lab tests, uh, remote monitoring, uh, sending your blood pressure in, refilling a prescription, scheduling an appointment. There are so many interesting and exciting ways that folks can use digital health tools to maintain their health when they have diabetes. At the same time, when folks are digitally disconnected, these tools may not be accessible to them or they might struggle to, some diabetes patients might struggle to use these tools. And so I'm wondering if you guys could just give us an overview of what the major challenges are in digital inclusion more broadly and as they affect people with with diabetes. So Autumn, I wonder if you could start us off. 
Sure. And thank you so much for the question. I think the, the other thing I would add too, just about ways um, patients and people with diabetes or even in managing other chronic diseases can use the internet generally is just to find resources. So when we think about how patients are being given guidance from their providers to manage their disease, there are many programs at Ohio Health. We have a uh, longstanding program called Engage that is really around patient empowerment. And frankly, we know YouTube and a variety of other platforms provide information on healthy recipes and different things. And so when we think about access to the internet for health technology, the portals and being able to use tools like MyChart and, and telehealth are, are really important, but just also generally navigating the internet. The other thing I would note too, and the thing that I've seen most often as I've kind of explored this work is the confidence to navigate that. And so digital skills are really important. I think sometimes we talk a lot about access to the internet to use the technology, but we also want to ensure that the people who we're trying to reach feel confident and have skills and, and opportunities to practice the skills. So when we think about kind of challenges in digital inclusion, I think the first thing is to identify who you're trying to serve, um, who are the communities of highest need. Uh, first, it, it starts with asking people. Um, so uh, one of the ways we're doing that here at Ohio Health is through some of our social determinant of health screening and, and trying to think about how we add a question or sets of questions around digital access, but then also thinking about how we implement strategies. And, you know, I often think about this as whose job is it anyway? Certainly healthcare can be and should be a partner in this, but largely a lot of this work has um, really been lifted up by organizations like libraries here in Columbus. And also I know in Cleveland, the local foundation has really stepped up to help organize around that. Right now here in Franklin County, we're really trying to get really crystal clear in defining the who. And we can talk a little bit about what we learned in some of our initial community engagement and research, but really defining who needs affordable internet, who needs access to devices that they own, but then who also needs digital skills. So this is really a multi-pronged need that has to be addressed together. So we can't fix the infrastructure and not be thinking about devices and skills as well. But certainly I welcome you, Dr. Shona, add any comments to that as well. Sure. Thank you. And um, that was a, a terrific list there. So a couple of things I would add perspective for healthcare is to recognize that being connected is really recognized now as a super social determinant of health. I think healthcare is really on board now with recognizing that um, it's not healthcare that's going to make people healthy, but it's uh, income and education and housing and all those other things. And when you realize that you absolutely have to have the internet to apply for a job and uh, undertake education and um, even specifically for diabetes, um, uh, it's helpful for online shopping to find, you know, the best prices and, and um, healthy produce and even safe opportunities for recreation and connecting with people to avoid loneliness. We know that all of these things have a huge impact on health. And so it's really important, I think, to think about digital engagement from that broader lens. I think the other big challenge is the equity lens that has to be applied. We'll talk more about this later, but it's not 
randomly distributed throughout the population who is and isn't connected. Of course, it's well known that particularly older seniors have the lowest levels of adoption, but there are much lower levels of adoption among people who are poor and people who are of color. And something that many people don't realize is that the vast majority of people who aren't connected live in urban areas because of structural racism and other large institutional factors that are kind of below the surface. But you kind of need to be aware of that to realize that there's an equity dimension to connectivity that's just got to be grappled with as you think about solutions. Wow, so many wise words about these many challenges. Amy, for many of the past several years, past decade, Cleveland has been described as the worst connected large city in the United States. And I think this gets to your point about disconnected urban areas. And I wonder if you can just share a little bit more about what that means. Sure. And let's be honest about the history here. And that came at least a big part of my involvement from a paper uh, published by Adam Przinsky, um and others that was among the very first to look at disparities in use of patient portals for the entire health system population. So back then, six, eight years ago, people were really just starting to think about medical record data as population health data. And so not only did your study find that there were big gaps in who was using the portal by age, but also sorts of payment for health care, people on Medicaid had much lower levels of adoption. But the remarkable finding in your paper was it was one of the first to show a geospatial association with lack of internet access in the neighborhood as being associated with lack of use of portals. You know, I think your work led to a lot of uh, soul searching and really the discovery in Cleveland of the phenomenon of digital redlining, where the internet service providers did not upgrade from, you know, basically dial-up speed in poor neighborhoods that also happen to be largely uh, segregated neighborhoods with people of color. Around that time, an organization started rating cities in terms of their connectivity. And in 2019, Cleveland came out as the worst connected large city in the country. So we have more than 53,000 households that have no internet connection, neither mobile nor fixed broadband. But even within that, the disparities are just astonishing. 49.8% of households with low income have no internet versus 25% of middle income and 10% of households with um, over $75,000 in income. But the geographic disparities, as, as I mentioned, are astonishing. So in some neighborhoods, as many as 60% of households have no internet. And those are the same neighborhoods that have low life expectancy, poverty, are segregated, and there's a big lack of economic opportunity. So um, it's no accident. And you really have to be aware of these dynamics if you're going to try to help people get connected, because you can't just say, here, let me give you a Wi-Fi hotspot um, if it's not going to pick up on a high-speed signal in their neighborhood. Well, thanks for sharing those details, Amy. 
it's certainly one of the reasons that I invited you here, not only just to talk about my paper, but all the other fantastic resources and coalition building work that you do. I think sometimes there's a challenge among providers and thinking that like, how am I going to solve these problems one-on-one, one patient at a time? And, but I actually think via, you know, some of the organizations and coalitions that both of you are involved in and can talk about for us today, these challenges and the work being done to confront them can be pretty inspiring. So, Autumn, uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit of detail about the Franklin County Digital Equity Coalition. Wonderful. Thank you. I can talk about this all day. I'll remind you to kind of really think back to March, April 2020, really the beginning of the pandemic and a time that we all thought we would return to some level of normalcy. And our listening audience, I'm using air quotes around normalcy because I think any suggestion that pre-pandemic normalcy will soon settle in, all of our everyday function and activities um, will return to air quotes normal, we've since learned is, is probably not true. And a lot of these activities, including telehealth, will remain online. And really what we're thinking about in Franklin County is low income um, and other users from vulnerable backgrounds, as Amy mentioned. The same lines of redlining of decades of structural racism in Columbus and other communities across the nation are really a direct correlation to digital exclusion in our community. So again, in March of 2020, really an informal group of Franklin County organizations really started to meet virtually. The initial thought was that uh, we would really, one, seek to understand what the current state was in Columbus and Franklin County, but two, largely focused on education. So at the time, our school district, Columbus City Schools, which is the largest school district in the state, had moved virtually and largely had not been using virtual tools with their family. So the kids were not ready. And so as a community, we really came together to make sure there were enough devices for every child, that their families had hotspots and internet provision. But for people like me and some of our other nonprofit leaders, we quickly recognized that this was more than education and a need for the internet for education, but quickly understood that we were talking about households that were living without the internet. And I can say personally, the community that I was working in, the near east side of Columbus, an urban core neighborhood just east of I-71, um, very adjacent to downtown. In fact, wedged in between a growing downtown Columbus and the richest entering suburb here in central Ohio was one of those very disconnected communities. And so what we really came together is to just really understand first. And so the Columbus Foundation made an investment to do an assessment of our community and similar to what uh, Amy came up with in terms of the disparities and in, in what she shared in Cleveland were very similar here in Columbus. And so what we knew very quickly was that uh, we didn't have necessarily infrastructure problem. Um, we had an affordability problem first. And so uh, when we talk about those lines of equity for us in, in central Ohio, it's both an income disparity and a racial disparity when we talk about lack of access. And so we quickly mobilized to think about what we could do about Knowing that infrastructure wasn't our greatest barrier, we felt a lot more emboldened um, that we could do this. And so and we still do believe that we can do this. And our vision is really cast around continuing to leverage this coordination across our community in collaboration to really think through what it looks like to make sure that every single Franklin County resident has access to affordable Internet devices that they own um, and and digital skills and training as well as technical support to really navigate. So our coalition continues to meet 
and continues to evolve our strategy. We actually just celebrated um, the launch of our second internet pilot. Um, So we identified in our assessment early on um, those urban core neighborhoods that were most disconnected, uh, one of which is the Near East side. So the community I was working in, we launched an internet pilot um, giving residents in that community free internet for a year to test. Um, And I think the one thing too that's really important to me as a, a community development person in healthcare is that we know that our uh, families and our patients need this access, but they may not know that. Um, so some of the work that we did uh, very early on and continue to do is engaging um, the patients in the community very directly and asking them. Um, they they don't often understand the use of the internet. They don't trust it, and they certainly don't feel confident. And in 2022, that's sometimes hard to believe for those of us that are uh, living lives of privilege where we order our groceries online and we schedule our doctor's appointments. But many of these patients and these people were used to standing in a line and not necessarily getting online. And so the purpose of this pilot is both to give them the access, but also to help build confidence in their utilization of the internet. That is awesome. I think I thought I knew some things about what was going on in Columbus, but now I'm like, wow. It's pretty inspiring stuff that's happening. Amy, I wonder if you could take a few minutes and talk about some of the parallel happenings here in the the Cleveland area and share share what's new in this region. Sure. And um, there are definitely some similarities. Even before the pandemic, there was concern about digital equity, particularly by the Cleveland Foundation. That's really a phenomenal local partner. Once the pandemic hit, um, they assembled a fund of like three or four million dollars and then very quickly assembled a Greater Cleveland Digital Equity Coalition, where the focus really was on kids, getting kids connected for schools. And then they started expanding and were addressing the needs of seniors in particular, and then a focus on um, job readiness, so helping people use uh, the internet for employment purposes. So a few of us who were active in the health space realized that we really had an important opportunity to bring together a health subcommittee of the Cleveland Digital Equity Coalition. Now, we started by focusing on screening because one of our local uh, institutions was uh, one of the first to start universally screening patients or screening large groups of patients for their digital connectivity. However, most of that screening went through my chart. So patients who weren't connected weren't getting screened. And so the numbers that were showing up as needing connectivity were way lower than those, you know, pretty alarming disconnectivity numbers that I noted earlier. So we actually got the health systems together and said, well, let's come up with a common set of questions that all of the health systems will use the same one so that we can really try to get population-based information. And then the next thing we tackled was referrals. So we have at least two of our three local health systems are using the Unite Ohio platform for social 
determinant of health social need referrals. And so we worked with that group to really build out the connections to community organizations that help people get connected. And so now the healthcare systems can screen people and then, you know, kind of with the click of a button, put them in this referral system where a message will get sent to a community organization that such and such patient needs to get connected. That's the kind of thing that we've been doing. But I really want to kind of challenge health systems with the perspective that right away when the pandemic started, schools recognized that if they didn't get students connected, they were not going to be able to deliver their product. And healthcare has been much slower. They are still, by and large, in the, this is not our problem, this is not what we do. But as, you know, everything has moved toward digital, now we're in the situation where healthcare, if they're not trying to fix the connectivity problem of their patients, is accepting giving substandard care to patients. And I don't think that's where healthcare wants to be. So joining these coalitions, all of our local health systems actually got involved with infrastructure by allowing antennas, for example, to be put on their roofs and using a lot of the new fixed wireless technology that's available to bring signal to the underserved urban areas in particular. That's one great place for health systems. The other thing I'll mention is that there's no point in talking to a patient about here's how to use the portal or how to have a video telehealth visit unless the patient has all those basic ingredients, a device, connectivity, basic digital skills, tech support, and applications that are accessible and meet people where they are. So I just want to mention there's a phenomenal organization called the National Digital Inclusion Alliance that pulls together all these organizations across the country, supports the building of coalitions, and supporting the digital navigator model that I think we're going to talk about as soon as I stop talking, which is really a great opportunity for for healthcare. So I will stop there. I think that was really great, Amy. Adam, if I may, I may add a couple thoughts here. One of the things, too, that I think healthcare institutions should think about, and it's something that we're piloting in the area that I lead with our community health, is that SDOH screening. So adding a question around digital access and asking patients. You know, the other thing, too, is really pointing to quality and outcomes. And I've been collaborating with our virtual health leader at Ohio Health just to stratify our data by race and ethnicity and language and see who is actually already using telehealth. And I think healthcare is motivated to do it. We just have to do it consistently. And when I arrived at Ohio Health at the end of the summer and I started asking these questions, nobody hesitated. It just wasn't where we started. I think to Amy's point, we were thinking about telehealth and the pandemic really opened the door even wider across the state. But for a system like ours, that's both very rural and very urban, it really behooves us to start looking at our data and seeing who's taking advantage of these resources and who is not. 
Um, and the final thing that I'll note, cause it's not just us, it's also the business community, but as a healthcare organization, we're also thinking about how we can repurpose devices that we're no longer using. So we often refresh our computers much uh, sooner than their useful life. And so organizations like PCs for people up in Cleveland, we've been using them here in Columbus as well. And Ohio health, even from a sustainability perspective, we're considering, How do we get these devices in the hands of the right people? We don't want to give people devices that won't be useful for them long term. So really being thoughtful about what the devices could be that we could donate to be refurbished. And it is our role to be a part of kind of these community conversations. I wanted to jump in and kind of take a thread that Autumn mentioned and take it a little further. And that is the notion of asking that one simple question about connectivity. And this is where I want to really urge you to keep the equity frame in mind. You want to set the bar really, really low for someone to have a need reflected. If you just ask somebody, can you get on the internet? They may say yes, if that means that they run into their ex-sister-in-law at the beauty shop and can borrow her phone to check their email. That is not meaningful and equitable access to the internet. Refurbished devices are fantastic. I work with a group called Digitunity that is really taking a sensitive approach to healthcare. But when you think about the fact that the average household has 25 connected devices, then think about, well, yes, this other household is going to get a $100 credit for one device that costs no more than $150 to be shared by everybody in the household, that is not equitable. And also just having mobile connectivity. I think healthcare tends to see everybody and his mother is on a smartphone, but chances are if it's a low-income person, they're using Wi-Fi, they don't have a data plan. Equitable means they have fixed wireless, unlimited data in their home and a keyboard and a full size a device with a full size screen and keyboard. So again, if you're going to ask that one question, don't ask, do you have the least that's necessary to get on? Ask, do you have everything that you need to optimally use the internet? And if not, be prepared to refer them to these fantastic organizations that can help them with the skills, devices, and connectivity. This is a great discussion. So many like powerful things you're both talking about. I also am seeing like a lot of emerging opportunities and sort of hopeful possibilities in what both of you have said so far. I wonder if we can focus some of those a little bit thinking about like, you know, patients in the clinic, technology and digital health. What are the main opportunities to help patients in clinics? I'm going to share one quick story. I work with a a physician. um, Actually, he's part of the Cardio Collaborative, and he works in eastern Ohio, way over by the Pennsylvania border in in a rural community there, where he said about 80% of the patients that he sees in his particular clinic do not have any internet. And one of the challenges that they often encounter are uh, prescription discount programs that have increasingly moved toward being like all online or that you have to activate your discount online. And so he came up with a strategy in his clinic to overcome this, which I was sort of blown away at their ingenuity, but also disheartened at the same time. 
in order to help people get prescription discounts for their diabetes and other meds, they sort of pre-registered people on the website in the clinic where they have internet and they print the QR code that you need to scan at the pharmacy or the barcode for the discount and they hand them out to their patients, right? So they're like, when you come in, <laughs> like, because the patient can't register and there's no time to do it in the clinic. So they have a stack of pre-printed barcodes for prescription discounts because it's the only way to get people the discount. Like you can't call, there's no phone number. The only way to get the discount is over the internet. So they have these pre-printed barcodes, which is awesome from an ingenuity standpoint. On the other hand, I feel like the two of you probably have some interesting and important resources and ideas to share about, about opportunities to improve health and care using technology for persons with diabetes. And um, maybe I'll go back to Amy to start this off. I think the most important thing, I'll say two most important things. One is meet people where they are. So I love that example that you just gave, Adam, because that is really meeting people where they are. And the great thing about technology is there's a lot of flexibility and, you know, things like having a Google Voice phone number that can get text messages is really helpful if you have to do two-factor authentication. Another thing is build things in where you already have resources or structures set up. Look for that alignment. So like Autumn mentioned earlier, adding the digital screening to your existing social determinants of health screening. I know there's a big effort in Cleveland, Better Health Partnership, that's focused on looking at disparities in care and quality of care. Well, what a perfect place to add something like what is the fraction of your patients that are connected electronically and that are having video telehealth visits and, you know, build that into the education programs that they have through Better Health Partnership about connecting digitally and equitably with patients. There's also the Pathways Hub that's gotten up and running, and that's terrific. Well, let's come up with a pathway for how to get people connected. So those are a few examples, and I sure hope Autumn's going to talk about the great work they're doing with community health workers, because I know that's just an amazing strategy. Agreed. I'm actually totally on the edge of my seat here. Uh, <laughs> because I, I've heard from multiple collaborators in the Columbus area about the good work being done with community health workers. I think that telehealth is here to stay. Digital health tools are growing exponentially by the day. Uh, screening and referral programs are happening, but I, I'm really excited to hear more, Autumn, about, and maybe you can share about community-level programs and community health workers. Absolutely. The most logical thing for, for me as I was thinking about this discussion around digital navigators, and she mentioned NDIA earlier, so the National Digital Inclusion Alliance really has been urging all of us nationally to think about navigators that are able to be patient, um, to have multiple repeat um, opportunities to engage with patients and community members as they're seeking support, um, and that digital navigators are dedicated resources. FTE or full-time equivalent in different organizations like libraries and schools and social service agencies that are trained to help people navigate those resources. And so as I was considering how we might leverage that in um, healthcare, uh, I just thought about our clinical workflow. We're very fortunate to have employed community health workers in our mobile model 
model and our mobile health model and throughout our system. Um, and so I'm actually piloting right now, training our community health worker to be a digital navigator. So um, our community health workers are going through training around the internet pilots that I mentioned earlier, so they can refer our patients to those resources um, and to help them navigate that. They're also uh, going through training and, and really getting access to resource hub data around where devices are available, where digital skills are available, training opportunities and employment. Um, and I think community health workers are just a powerful part of our healthcare model. They're having the ongoing relationship uh, with our patients. And I think it's important to really dig into kind of the motivation around this for our patients. Sometimes patients are intimidated in conversations with providers and clinicians at different levels, but having that relationship with the community health worker is really powerful to really reveal where they have fear. So I often share an example of a pilot program that I did last year where we gave away 500 iPads on the Near East side in my former role, um, and we provided digital skill training using community health health workers and actually learners um, at the university to really teach older adults in particular um, how to use telehealth and how to do banking online safely. So things they should be looking for. Um, and at the beginning, all of the patients and the older adults told me, I am not going to use this. Um, and after eight weeks, they all felt so much more confident and um, and really were very proud and began to be um, really replicators of the model. So we had a, a woman, an older adult, who uh, shared it with her sister. Um, and she said, wow, this is so convenient. I don't have to drive her to her appointments. If, if she wants to do it and it makes sense, she can do a telehealth appointment. And this is a true story of someone who literally told me, Thank you for the free iPad. I'm never going to use this. Um, but spending the time and community health workers, that is their role. They're already helping our patients navigate resources to address their social determinants, making sure they understand and have access to health literacy tools. And so this is just something else to add to their toolkit. Um, I will say our uh, digital navigator, so we do have a subgroup of our local digital equity coalition really thinking about what a digital navigator should know in Franklin County. And so we have digital navigators at our library, um, at some of our employment-focused social services. And we're Ohio Health right now is the only health system so far, but others will come along where we're using CHWs in this way. And so I'm excited to see how it goes. Our CHW is interfacing with patients of all demographics. The last thing that I want to mention really quick as an opportunity to help patients with technology is to have iPads in your clinic space. So we um, added iPads into our clinic space uh, for specialty referral opportunities. So when our patients are with us and they need to talk to another specialist that we can pull them up on an iPad, but we're also offering that in our mobile locations, we're typically sited next to a community partner where we have access to a private consultation room. We're also using that private consultation room for the patient to be able to use the iPad independently um, for a specialist referral. And again, that's about having that CHW right there that they can peek their head out the door and say, hey, Maya, hey, Sandy, I need help with this device. Um, but they're still giving opportunity to practice. And I think I can't stress that enough that when people are not confident about navigating these digital tools, it's because they haven't been practicing them. 
So I know we all may have children and grandchildren who are teaching us how to do new things on our iPhones every day. And we feel pretty well prepared, but imagine people who have never had access to the internet before 2020, how fearful they could be. And that's really the emotion that we've heard from patients is they're just nervous. Um, and so giving them the tools and clinic with a helpful, uh, CHW is also a really powerful opportunity. And again, I don't take for granted that this takes time and a commitment to doing it, but if a CHW is already helping, uh, patients navigate other social determinant of health referrals adding digital inclusion to that suite of offering is not as difficult as it sounds. And so I'm excited to see where it goes and really important to me what this does to improve our patient experience. Thank you, Autumn. I want to give one quick story, though. One of my favorite experiences ever in any project that I've been on as a researcher was just having the opportunity to sit in on a community digital skills lab. And um, it wasn't really sitting in. I was just sort of drafted into being a co-instructor and, you know, helping some 73-year-old grandmas find the at symbol on their keyboard and figure out, like, where to type the URL in the web browser because they've never seen this stuff before. They don't know where the U the, the web browser URL bar is or mm-hmm. the at symbol on the keyboard. And honestly, like, it was a raucous good time. Um, and I think the it's one of those things where, where, where being patient, sometimes health systems struggle with that. <laughs> like we have, we, we don't have, we often struggle to find time with our patients. But the, at the same time, it's, it can also be very, very rewarding in interpersonal ways and in the benefits that people gain from that. So sorry, Amy, I know you had more you want to add. So please go ahead. No, that's actually kind of a perfect segue. What I wanted to say is that I think embedded in a lot of what Autumn was talking about is the orientation of the person who's doing the skill training. I would rather teach a community health worker who might never have touched a computer before to become a digital skill trainer than to try to teach somebody who is so far removed from the experience of people not being familiar with the technology. If you've had an iPhone for 15 years, 10 years, you just really can't even remember what it means to not know what a URL is, to not know what a character in a password is, right? And so community health workers, um, I think, just sort of have the right stuff. I do a lot of work, actually, with the adult literacy community because they really understand how to teach people digital literacy skills, just like learning literacy skills. I think it's important to be very mindful and intentional about how you set these things up. And the last thing I want to refer you to is the Digital Medicine Society Data Collaborative Community is about to launch a suite of tools that are intended to help healthcare roll out digital health tools in an inclusive way. So a lot of the tools that are coming out help with digital connectivity barriers, but also other kinds of inclusion. So people who have vision problems, people who have 
tactile problems with using devices. There are all sorts of ways that the technology can be modified and, and adapted. And so the suite of tools that the Digital Medicine Society is coming out with are really intended to help healthcare um, uh, inclusively bring out digital health tools. Amy, I'm so glad you mentioned this. I think those resources are especially relevant you know, when we're talking about an older population that's more disconnected, persons who have diabetes often have co-occurring other conditions and disabilities. Mobility and sight impairments are two of the big ones that, that some of those folks face. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. So, you know, this is really excellent information that the two of you have provided and I have a question for both of you. What are the most important resources for healthcare providers here in Ohio who are right now working to get their patients connected to the internet and improve their digital skills? I would start with partnerships with community digital inclusion organizations. So keep in mind, these are groups that have been working for 20 years to get people connected to the internet and to use it in a meaningful way. The National Digital Inclusion Alliance has a directory of local affiliates that can help with that. There are also some national groups like um, North Star Digital Literacy. I've just worked with them on a uh, set of competency, digital competencies for using telehealth. And these resources are available free um, and on the web. Um, this is kind of what I do for my living, helping uh, healthcare organizations um, take a strategic approach to digital inclusion. And I'd be happy to talk with anyone uh, in Ohio about it. Fantastic. So it sounds like Amy can also be one of the resources. Autumn, anything to add to that? Yeah, I think I just want to underscore that telehealth and virtual health as a strategy is something that I think every healthcare organization is thinking about and recognizing that this is the future. The future is definitely now, but really taking a step back and making sure that any strategy you're building around digital front doors for your patients to really consider who is excluded today. And that may not be of your fault or fruition. It's not to make anybody feel like they're not serving everyone well, but that you're leaving people out if you're not thinking about who's not represented. And I'm willing to bet if you just looked at your data today of who takes advantage of telehealth, you're going to notice significant disparity, probably racially and income-based disparity and language disparity. So I think the first thing is to identify the disparity and then work to eliminate it in your system. And the ways that you eliminate it is exactly what Amy mentioned, is really engaging in the digital inclusion ecosystem in your local market across the state. There are plenty of resources available to you. And if you don't already have partnerships with community-based organizations that are doing this work, this is where uh, your colleagues in community relations and external affairs really can be allies and partners internally to identify who the right partners are for you, because it may be different for your system. And then the only other thing I would add is really acknowledging that social determinants of health and really screening for those and making those connections for your patients should also include digital inclusion. And I think Amy really uh, illustrated earlier a deficit we found in sense 
census data where you ask one flat question, do you have access to the internet? And it's yes or no. It may not actually give you the whole story. So really being thoughtful, we're trying on a couple new things. And so I could say as someone that's deeply passionate about this and really forcing the issue to be top of mind in multiple spaces that I'm okay with getting it wrong first, but to keep trying it. So refining the questions that we're asking, but really recognizing that um, that social determinant of health screening and asking around digital health influences everything that your patients can take advantage of with your system. It influences their experience. So we all care about our patients' experience and their ability to manage diabetes and other conditions, but it also influences their ability to access housing resources and education and employment and even social benefit. So there's some mental health that's there when you're able to access a good show on Netflix, right? And so making sure that you're asking your patients directly and not assuming just based on data you can grab um, what their needs are and how they would like to be approached. So I really encourage people to try on community health workers as digital navigators, even if it's just one or two programs that they're aware of, starting to capture data around your patients' um, experiences in this space will really uh, spur, I think, a lot of ideas and innovation. So um, I'm excited about what this means for the future of healthcare. I'm excited about us as institutions, largely anchor institutions being involved in the community in this way. But don't be afraid to raise your hand and also don't be afraid to say no. If it doesn't fit today, it may not be the role that your organization can play, but one activity is more than none. And so try on a few things and be okay with failing forward. Oh, I love that. And um, Adam, we would be really remiss if we didn't mention the 60 plus billion dollars that have been included in the Infrastructure and Jobs Act for making affordable um, and equitable access to uh, broadband. And for the first time, there's money in there for outreach to help people get connected and for digital literacy training, thanks again to our friends at the National Digital Inclusion Alliance who wrote the Digital Equity Act. So there's money out there for the first time. So it's worth it to screen because there's something you can do about it. Well, I think this is a really powerful way to wrap up an informative and excellent session I had the great opportunity to sit here and listen to your inspiring work and hear about it today. You should know that we have lots of other helpful resources at the Cardio website, including additional podcasts, documents about the social determinants of health, documents and informative clinical resources for screening for social determinants of health in your practice. If you heard about that from Amy and Autumn and it's something that you want to get started or continue to work on. And we will be debuting soon a resource on overcoming the digital divide in diabetes care. So stay tuned for that. Many special thanks to both of our guests, Dr. Amy Schoen and Autumn Glover. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Cardio Radio. This concludes today's podcast. Be sure to visit cardio.org to learn more about the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative.